Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. This episode is brought to you by Nice Job, Painter Marketing Pros, and APC. Welcome to the Women and Paint podcast. I'm your host, Michael Cheney. I am the owner of No Drip Painting, where we are changing lives through paint. And today I have Linnea Blair on with me with Advisors on Target. She's a business owner. She's a business coach. I think of her as the numbers guru because I heard her present at the Women in Paint event and she talked all things numbers. Linnea, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you, Michael, for having me. I'm looking forward to our talk. You got it. So I just called you the numbers guru. Uh, do you kind of think of yourself in that light or, or no? Well, I'm more than that. I'm uh, I'm more well-rounded than just that, but I definitely do feel that. I, I do geek out about numbers, and uh, I am always thinking about things in terms of numbers and how you can track things, how you can measure things, and how you can use those numbers to make your life better and your business better. Yeah. Well, it's certainly obviously a huge part in business. Um, what, uh, you know, when I talk to folks, even folks I've had on here and even my own experience, if I'm honest, when I think about numbers, it makes me a little nervous. And I'll tell you what, I'm in the process of um, upping my line of credit at a, at a local bank that I use, and they want me to turn over all my numbers. And a full disclosure, it kind of feels a little nerve wracking when I have to turn over my numbers. Um, and then you're a business coach, so you ask for people's numbers. Do you have any input on, you know, when when we need to disclose our numbers and maybe they don't look as, as good as we want? What, what what kind of confidence can you instill in someone that says, hey, it's okay, go ahead and turn your numbers over, we got this? Well, I, I know it is a sensitive subject. Um, and I know that often when I talk to business owners, it, it's something that they haven't felt confident about talking to other, other people about because yeah. they're maybe not quite confident themselves. Um, but I would say, you know, if, if you have to turn your, your numbers over to a bank, for example, for a line of credit, you need to have your, your bookkeeper, your accountant, look over those numbers with you um, and just make sure that, that uh, your financials look as good as they can um, before you turn them over. But I, I often know that um, one of the things that's helped my clients and, and other business owners I know is that you can apply for a line of credit when you're when your year is in a good place. Um, that's the best time to do it. And often business, uh, banks are they're they're um, interested and impressed when they see that you know your numbers, you know what your numbers mean, and that you're showing a profit and you you're not just blank about what you're handing them. So you have some, some knowledge over that. So again, if, you, if you're not familiar with your numbers that well yourself, to have your accountant or bookkeeper um, maybe give you some, some talking points around that before you hand them over to the banker. 
Totally, totally. Um, okay, so let's talk business coaching. So mm-hmm. you kind of have, I'll just say it, your your philosophy and your approach with your clients is it's not necessarily a one size fits all model. So what is it like when someone chooses to work with you as a business coach? Tell me your approach to your clients. Well, the first thing I ask them what it is that they want to achieve in their business and in their life and what their challenges are. Um, because there's some people who would love to be you know, $10 million or $20 million company, and there's other people who are perfectly happy with a $500,000 business that just fits them, and they just want to have it running like a, a smooth machine. So I want to find out what it is that they want to accomplish first, and then we can start thinking about um, what's the best strategy to get there for you. Totally. Have you had anybody say like just something totally off the wall um, with 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 their goals or what they want from their business? Um, <laughs> I, I think uh, one of the funniest one was years and years ago, I, I was working with a, a smaller size painting company and he said, you know what, all I want to do is be up on a ladder um, painting and know that I have enough uh, money in my business to support my wife and myself and our lifestyle because I actually just love the paint. And yeah. more people I hear are more interested in growing the business so they can um, be the, the boss and be the, the CEO and not have to do some of those pieces of work in the business as much as they are now. And so that was just kind of a, a different take on it. Um, but yeah. what he wanted and that, that was what made him happy. Absolutely. It kind of reminds me of the book E-Myth. I'm sure you're familiar with that book, but the idea in the book is that, you know, if, if you're if you're the painter, and in our example, um, you might not always be the best fit to be the business owner. And it sounds like maybe that guy identified that and he just wanted to keep doing what he was good at. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Because he got a lot of pleasure from, from the uh, craft of painting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you have, you are kind of carving out this niche market in the painting industry. I looked at some of your testimonials on your website, and there were a few names on there that that uh, you know ring a bell in terms of me knowing who they are in the painting industry. But talk to me about why you have kind of carved out this space. Why painting? What what is um, attractive to this industry to you? Well, it's interesting because when I started coaching and consulting, I was working with all different types of business owners. And for quite a few years, I, I did have a, a very mixed bag of clients. Um, but early into my practice, I was working with a local painting contractor here in San Diego, and he just loved what, what I was doing with him. And so he actually brought his good friend and local friendly competitor and said, look what she's doing with me in my business. I'd, I'd like to introduce you. So I started working with the other guy too. And they were both um, involved with PCA, PBCA then, and the residential forum. And they said, what we really, really, really like is if you could develop this into more of a program where we're coaching with each of us individually and then you also, we also have a group aspect to it where we're supporting each other. And so the On Target program was born in uh, 2002. And uh, 
Um, I've never looked back because I started working that year. I started working with 18 painters and I had three uh, peer groups that I was working with. We did conferences twice a year, which I did for many, many years. And, uh, and then I ended up focusing more on just individual um, painters because not as many people necessarily wanted the peer group experience. Um, but it just kind of blossomed from there. And what I found was that I just absolutely loved working with painting contractors. Mm. Um, I have found so many people that are just such good human beings and family-oriented people. And I guess the people that choose to work with me are nice people, it seems like, um, <laughs> because we, we seem, to, I seem to attract people that, you know, have not always the same philosophy that I do, but, but a similar set of values, I think, generally. And, uh, and I found that so much in the painting world. And since I've continued to work with painting contractors now, it's been over 20 years. Um, I have worked with over hundreds, literally, um, in one capacity or another. And so I know the business very, very well. And so it just keeps kind of growing and, uh, and I love, you know, I love what I do. I love working with painters. I love helping them achieve their dreams. And I love helping them understand their numbers and how that can help them be more successful. Well, I've had several business coaches, you know, over the last, uh, you know, five, 10 years. And the piece that I always kind of felt was missing was I didn't really have a coach that knew much about the industry, right? Um, right. And it, it kind of always felt like there was a, a huge learning curve for them and and you know that that was totally fine but you know it's one thing to to learn the industry and kind of learn like some of the standards and really maybe even what's possible in the industry but i always kind of had wished that i had someone a little bit more familiar with the industry um what would you have to say about that like do you think that you having all these years of experience working with painting contractors that has to give you some sort of edge when you're coaching folks in this industry, right? It definitely does because in the length of time that I've been coaching um, painting contractors, particularly, uh, I have seen almost everything, every <laughs> almost every scenario, and you know, people come to me with something that's like I've seen that before, and I can help you through that. Uh, so that's it's very helpful to me, and and I understand the the learning curve part because I have coached people in other industries and if it's an industry I'm not familiar with it does take some a lot of kind of getting up to speed with some of the particular challenges that are kind of outside just the general business challenges that every business has um, so it, it has helped me shortcut a lot of things um, mm -hmm. especially in recent years when people call me up we'll have a, a complimentary consultation and I can almost always zero in on, on some of the exact things that they need to start working on because, uh, because of what they tell me and my familiarity with the business. Right, very good. Um, so you were at the Women in Paint event in Nashville, and yes. I have to imagine over the last 20 years that you've been working with painting contractors, uh, you've probably seen a lot of changes uh, as, it, as it involves women in this industry. Can you just yeah. kind of share like what that event, you know, what kind of what you took from the event and kind of, you know, how, how you seen this, this, in, you know, women just getting more involved over 
the, the years? I, I have to tell you, it just warmed my heart so much to be at that event and see so many women and, and the excitement and passion around their businesses. And I have seen a big transition because it used to be I would go to painting contractor events and there would just be maybe a handful of women in the room. Mm -hmm. And um, it, so to see over the years more and more women coming into the industry, um, women as solo business owners, as the primary business owner, women as partners with their husband, um, women who are beginning to work for these the companies and I've seen more women coming into my client businesses as cleaners. Um, it's just been very, very exciting. And and also to see the, the vendors, that the vendors yeah. at the event um, had all sent women and they've done a lot of uh, work on becoming more diversified in their businesses, which is nice to see. And I, I just yeah. loved it. It was great to see. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, and I will say the vendors, you know, it, it is nice for me, you know, as, as a business owner in this industry to see women at the top at the Sherwin-Williams, at the PPG, right? There's there's mm -hmm. women who have really carved out these amazing careers for themselves. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but at the, at the event, um, a topic kind of got brought up at one point of spouses working together, right? Like you said, you know, women and their husbands or, or their mm -hmm. partners or what have you. Um, and since you're a coach, I'm going to put you on the spot here just real quick because I think you can handle it. Um, but what advice would you give to, you know, spouses that work together in the business and try and still create a life together? I don't know if you have any insight or something you can throw out there for us. Well, for one thing, I think if, if both spouses are in the business and they're fully engaged in the business and they have the same vision together for it, it's a wonderful partnership to see people um, doing that. Yeah. Um, I've seen other times where a spouse is not as on board or they're involved in the business, but they don't mm -hmm. see things the same way. And that's often very detrimental. But if they're on the same page, if they have the same goals, they have the same urge to move the business in, this, in the same direction, it's a wonderful, uh, wonderful, wonderful partnership. Um, I do think and i heard several people say so who are um, married business partners or or in in partnership then it is very very important to have your boundaries about mm. your home life and your work life so that they don't the work challenges don't always bleed into your home life so having that that separation that space i think is super important and i think we heard some women uh, weigh in on that who, who have experience with some of the strategies for it. Well, I got mad respect for the women that can figure it out because I don't I don't think that's my cup of tea. Um, let's kind of talk about from the coaching perspective. You know, when I was at the event, there were a lot of uh, ladies who were kind of just getting started into the business. And then there are some who seem to have well-developed businesses. When you think of folks that are just starting, trying to get into the business, um, what do you find are the biggest pain points? What are the things that just seem to, to, to be, you know, some of those items that people really need help with when they're just getting started? Well, I, I think some of the things um, are um, creating time for, 
planning and working on the business. Mm -hmm. uh, so many times people are just running flat out. They might still be thinking themselves. Yeah. Um, they're running around between crews. They're running to the paint store. They're doing all of all of the pieces, sending the invoices, doing the billing, and and maybe they're getting their their financial part done and their marketing planning done late at night or something. So uh -huh. I think just um, making the time available. I'm a big fan of time blocking, and I think deciding on this is when we I do estimates. This is when I look at jobs. This is when I work on the business and have a strategic meeting, even if it's with myself. Um, yeah. Very important to do that, um, and people struggle with that. I think the other part is starting off professionally, and I think that's sometimes a challenge for people, mm -hmm. and sometimes they'll shortcut some things, and I think one of the challenges that I would see in many painting businesses and i'm not i'm not certain it applies to women as much as it just has applied in the industry um, as a whole but people hiring people um who are 1099 or people mm -hmm. that are paying cash to or something like that that's um, paying people in an unprofessional way um it's right. really really hard to get out of mm -hmm. and people will start sometimes in kind of a, a more casual way of of running their business and it's 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 hard to get out of it so i think that the most important thing is to start off professionally and do things the way you you know you need to end up so having people on payroll uh, hiring a payroll company putting your finances on quickbooks is really important uh -huh. so that you're you're always operating as a professional and there are resources out there to help you so that's a really good point. You know, I, I you know, when I started, I, I fell into that category. Um, but you know what, you're right, because when you operate from that level, it is difficult to get out, out of that. Um, and also that can have, you know, you know, consequences for you down the road that you might not, you know, be thinking of in the beginning. Um, you touched on something about time blocking. And I know that you do uh, like some coaching and training on, um, you know, just like your overall organization, right? Like um, time management, I think I saw on your website. Do you have any other tips on um, how to stay organized other than the time blocking? Do you have anything else that, that you use or that you suggest to your clients? Um, well, I think it's very important to have um, a good overall organization of, of how you maintain your files for customers and, and clients and so forth. So mm -hmm. how you file things electronically or on paper, just to make sure that you have all of the things that you need for each client, each customer, um, in a place where you can easily reach it. I think that's really important. I know there's other coaches that focus on that more particularly. Um, and I would say, um, that really, I think that comes down to the, the most organized thing is, is to make sure that you are spending that time on the different things that you need to, to do. So if you're if in the planning, so for example, if you have jobs starting, it's good that you have a, a time to sit down and when am I going to order the paint and everything for these jobs and 
when am I going to um, reach out to the customer to make sure that they have their paint colors and things like that so that you have um, a procedure, um, which is hard for people because a lot of times you're running a business by the seat of your pants. So if you can start documenting things, making checklists, um, I think that's a very helpful thing, checklists for different uh, types of tasks and for, for not only yourself, but the people that work with you. Um, to help stay organized that way. So I think those are some some easy things anyway. All excellent advice. You know, one thing that I kind of learned early on, and it it kind of pairs with what you're saying right now, is that, um, you know, you, you have to have processes, right? Even if you're the only one doing it and the process is in your head, you have a process. And um, I was always encouraged to encourage to start writing those things down in some capacity, right? Now, like you said, you're running around with your hair on fire. You might not be able to document everything. But what I found was then when I wanted to hire, right, if I had something documented in some capacity, that then could double as a training document, right? It, it would at least give me some sort of backdrop to then bring someone into the business and 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 kind of guide them as opposed to everything's in my head and now I got to get it all out of my head so I can bring you on. Um, ha, do you have any other insight on that type of uh, situation? Um, yeah, I think I think that's um, a, re- a really good thing and, and to document um, what you what you do so and that i think to get things out of your head as a solo owner when you're starting out you don't have tons of time to do that but if you can start documenting especially if you're thinking of bringing somebody on this is what i do and this is what i do that's a admin capacity this is what i do that's a sales capacity this is what i do that's a production manager capacity and as you start dividing up the things you do, which are many, many hats, and put those in those hats into lists of things, then it gives you something to start with with a person, the start of a job description, if you will. Yeah. Because I know sometimes people want to bring somebody on, and it's very easy, I think, for painting contractors to bring on a, a painter because they know this is what the painter does, this is where I put him or her, and this is what I'm going to show them to do. But I, I hear people starting out like, I want to hire an office person, but I'm not sure what, how I'm going to train them, what I'm going to give them to do. Um, and so those, that's one of the steps I, is to start making those lists. And as you realize all of the things you do, you can arrange them into categories and start to see what is it that this person can do. Yeah. And, and right, if you right can on. hopefully hire somebody that's proactive enough to help you um, develop their role further, that's even even better. That's right. That's right. Um, so, okay, we kind of talked a little bit about folks that are starting up. What about folks that are kind of in, I'll just call it a growth stage. Maybe they're at a million, $2 million. What issues do you see happening at kind of that level in the business? Well, I, I do see that you run out of capacity at some point for something else. Um, so it's either you run out of capacity for sales or you run out of capacity for production management and beyond you know, an office person. Those are the two things that, that people start to struggle with because they need to be doing 
more oversight and less nuts and bolts of one of those tasks or they need they can only sell so much and they need somebody else to sell more um so i think that's one of the places in starting to recognize where that is and realizing what it's going to take to afford to bring another person on mm -hmm. and that's where some of the numbers come in too um, because i like to help people budget to say you know this is what it's going to cost you to bring on a salesperson because if you want to grow from you know 1.5 to 2 you're going to need another person in there to to do that and uh and then they'll say but i don't you know i don't know if i can afford it so let's put right. it in the budget let's look at it and let's see if you can can afford it and i've had people put things like that in their budget like a salesperson like a shop if they don't have a shop mm -hmm. yet put it in the budget and maybe they go for a year without even filling that um that role or or investing in that shop but they can see oh i could have afforded i could afford mm -hmm. that now i know that i can actually take that step so i think that's an important thing um as people are growing is is uh, knowing realizing when you need to add capacity and how to do it strategically and also a way in a way that you feel like you're not just putting yourself out on a limb financially right um, so and i think just in, and then as you get bigger you do need it you end up having more people issues along the way i think too Yes. Um, so you have people that might be in the wrong seat. You have people that aren't performing, um, and you have to be, you start being more of a the coach yourself in your business yeah. and to help grow people and, and discipline people and create goals for people who aren't performing as well or goals for people who are and that you want to help them grow and, and have a, a better career in your business. Um, so there's all of that much more, more, I guess, more nuanced people skills and, and people management as you grow. Yeah. And I know that you do leadership training and, and that's kind of wrapped into what you do. Um, how can someone like me, if I, if I want to become a better leader, right. Cause I do, um, how, where's the information? I mean, I read all the books and all of that, but how does someone learn to become a better leader? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, yeah, you do read the books and you learn things from that. Um, I think um, you know, thinking about what your people need um, to grow in their in their role and being that support person and learning how to and it takes it does take some some shifting to learn how to be that. To be more of a coach yourself mm -hmm. and use coaching skills um, to help your people develop and grow versus just being the person that puts the hammer down to tell people the two things yeah. um so because there's a you know there's a difference between being a leader and being a manager and i think a lot of times people they they really become a manager and they're just trying to make sure people are doing the right thing but they're not being as right. much of a leader, which is to do the work yourself, I think, to have to know what your vision is and to get people to buy into that vision and then to become more of a coach yourself yeah. um, to help them get there. 
So it's um, it's like one of those things that I uh, mentioned earlier. There is no silver bullet way to do it, um, but I, I would suggest that people could uh, invest in leadership training. Um, they could spend time uh, cre creating their own vision, which I think is really, really important. Creating a yeah. one to three year vision, maybe even further out for yourself and your business. So you, you start creating this path of where you want to go. Very good. Um, I'm from the sport, sports world. I mean, I was, I'm a former college athlete. Uh, so I like to always follow, you know, some of the great coaches like the Pat Summits of the world, the Coach K's. And, you know, they always kind of approach coaching in the way that I also think of leadership. Because, you know, a coach, coach is really a leader. And, you know, their, their kind of take is like, it's a job that you never get to the finish line, right? The best of the best, best still say there's so much to learn. And um, I think that's kind of been my approach is that I'm going to learn. There's just really no end destination because you can always evolve in this, in this regard. Um, so I'll tell you what, Linnea, we are almost at the end of this, this show. I told you it was going to go fast. I do have one question that I ask everyone. And the question is this. So how do you take care of yourself so that you can show up every day, help business owners like me be successful? What do you do to take care of yourself so you stay motivated, stay passionate about what you do? Oh, thank you. That's a great question. Well, I, I do a lot of reading, for one. Um, I like to keep sharpening the saw, <laughs> as you will. Um, and I... Um, I limit, I do time blocking myself, so I like I, I only take client meetings on Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, and not on Mondays and Fridays. I leave those times for um, either administrative work or whatever I need to do for myself. Um, I love to take vacations, so I take as many vacations as I can, and I I really highly suggest that business owners do that. And one of the goals is you can take a two-week vacation and, and not have to answer your phone. Um, and so I, I do that. I take vacations. I take I set myself up the way I need to, and I take the two-week vacation. I'm getting ready to take one coming up on Sunday. And I'm not going to answer my phone, not going to answer my email. And I'm going to take that time to recharge, go to National Park, take a road trip, yes. see my uh, sons in, in Colorado, and uh, that, that's really what fills me up, being out in nature and, and taking that time away. I love it. It sounds amazing. Um, you mentioned uh, taking, uh, you know, when you do your client calls. I know that um, you do kind of like a discovery call. So mm -hmm. if someone is interested in working with you, how do they find you and how can they see if, uh, if, if you guys are a match for each other? Well, that's thank you. Uh, that's very easy. Um, you can find me on my website at advisorsontarget.com. Uh, there's a contact us form. You can email me from there and uh, ask for a complimentary consultation. And in 30 minutes, um, I, I promise to always give you as, as many nuggets as I can. It's not a sales pitch or other services. It's uh, I genuinely trying to help you um, with give you some pointers in the right direction. And then if it turns out we are a, a match for working together in some capacity, great. And, and if not, at least I've given you something to move forward with that's uh, positive in your life and business. 
Good deal. Well, Linnea, that wraps up another Women in Pink <laughs> podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. And if you're listening to this, make sure you're also following us over on our Facebook page at Women in Paint. And the uh, PCA Expo is coming up. Now, Linnea, is that something that you will be attending in Orlando? I sure will. Okay, good deal. I'll I will see you there. there. Yeah, I will be there as well. Um, all right, folks, that brings our uh, session to an end. And I will see you right back here next week. Painted podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.